right, we have um, another installment in our um, series on apologetics, and this one is on the Sabbath, as you can see. Um, and for those of you who are visiting or may not be familiar, um, one of the biggest um, uh, kind of defining uh, attributes of our church is that we worship today. And so there are a lot of people who don't know why we do um, or why others worship on the first day of the week. Today, we will answer those questions. Um, and so this is a, an in-depth study. Um, so I ask that you pray for the Holy Spirit as we do this, that the Holy Spirit would lead us into truth. Amen. All right. Our scripture reading, as Donnie read so well, Genesis chapter two, verses one through three says this. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. Verse three, and God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. Our message this Sabbath is entitled Defending the Sabbath. Defending the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to study your word. Lord, I ask that you make me just a nail upon the wall, Lord, a rusty, sorry nail. But upon that nail, Lord, I ask that you hang a portrait of Jesus Christ. Let Eric Walsh not be seen or heard. Instead, Father, let us hear a word from the throne room of grace. Is our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. We're going to go to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, where we find one of the most compelling stories about the Sabbath. Again, um, this is an important message because there are many who think that whatever day of the week you worship is just fine. We're going to really look into that today. Genesis, uh, sorry, Nehemiah 13, verse 15 says, in those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and lading asses as also wine, grapes and figs and all manner of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. Nehemiah had the very difficult job after the 70 years in the captivity uh, after Ezra had rebuilt the temple, it was uh, Nehemiah's job to rebuild the wall. Understand that his job then was to protect the city of Jerusalem so that it could come back to the, the, the status it was in before Nebuchadnezzar's three invasions and ultimately the destruction of the city. So as they were doing this, Nehemiah is keenly aware of all the mistakes that were made, all of the ways that the children of Israel had failed God. And he was intent to not allow that to happen again. One of the places where he sees them failing is that as he is watching and going about his business, he sees that the seven day Sabbath, the day upon which they were instructed to rest and devote their time to godly and divine uh, uh, um, um, uh, um, activities, they were doing business. Verse 16. Nehemiah says, there dwelt men of Tyre also therein, which brought fish and all manner of ware and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, what evil thing is this that ye do and profane the Sabbath day? Let me just make, I'll, I'll, let me, let me spoiler alert you here. This is why we don't go to restaurants on the Sabbath. This is why we're not in the grocery store on the Sabbath. The reason is because we are given, as you will see as we go through this, a day for preparation. In fact, the day of preparation is etched in many of the languages of the world. We'll talk about that as well. And so for us, we, do not, uh, we, we don't do those things. We, 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 we prepare the day before the Sabbath so that on the Sabbath, we can enjoy time and fellowship with God. He says when they do this, not only does he say they profane the Sabbath, Nehemiah says this is an evil thing. Why? Because the one day God asks that you put him first, you are putting yourself first. 
And in doing that, you violate not just the fourth commandment, you violate the first four commandments. Look at what he says. Nehemiah says to them, did not your fathers thus? Did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath? Let me tell you something. If you're going through trials in your life, if you have difficulties, let me tell you, one of the first things you ought to stop and ask yourself is, how am I dealing with the Sabbath? If you are profaning and trampling on the Sabbath, you, it's difficult for you at the same time to ask God to help you in your situation. Verse 19, and it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, this is preparation day, I come, look at what Nehemiah does. He commanded that the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants said I at the gates that there should no burden be brought in on the Sabbath. The gates represent your house. Somebody ought to be praying that God send the angels to guard the gates of our homes. That no burden, what kind of burden? That we're not worrying about who's won the NBA playoff game the night before. That we're not sitting worrying about who's going where in the NFL draft. We're not keeping up with the Kardashians when we ought to be keeping up with Christ. Don't bring a burden into the house of God. And let me say this, do not bring a burden into your house. Verse 20 and 21 says this. So the merchants and the sellers of all kind of ware lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. You know what they did? They took the party outside the gates. And they began to do all of the buying and selling outside the gates of Jerusalem. Look at what Nehemiah does. Verse 21 then I testified against them and said unto them, why lodge ye about the wall? If you do so again, look at what Nehemiah says, I will lay hands on you. Oh boy, uh, Nehemiah, like he come from Compton, huh? He said, from that time forth came they no more on the Sabbath. Let me tell you something. There are some of us who need to lay hands on some stuff. Stuff is coming into our house and interrupting the time that God has set up. This temple in time, as Jackie and Janae just sang about. They, 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 they're, they're, they're interrupting the, upting this temple of time that God has set up. See, the other gods wanted a physical idol. They wanted you to carve something so they could bow and worship in front of it. God asked for no such thing. Instead, he gave us a time period, 24 hours to serve him. So let's look at what we're going to deal with today. Number one, is there a day of rest? Is there a Sabbath day? What does the Bible teach on that? Number two, does it matter if you worship on Saturday or Sunday? Number three, how did Sunday become a day of worship? How is it that almost the whole world keeps Sunday? And what is the relevance of that? Is there prophetic significance to which day of worship is kept? A lot to cover. So let's dive right in. Let's go back to the book of Genesis. Where the Sabbath comes from. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the what? Who created it? God did. God is the one who stepped out on nothing and spoke and something came into existence. Earlier on in the series, we talked about the fact that um, there are simple laws of physics that say you cannot get something from nothing. You can't make matter where there was no matter. It does, it's an impossibility. If you take a, a, a stone that weighs 50 pounds and do a thousand, 10,000 experiments on it, at the end, it cannot weigh more than 50 pounds. Only God could speak into nothing and something appear. Watch verse 2 of the second chapter of Genesis. And we, the nice thing is we're going through Genesis in the Sabbath school lesson, so a lot of this is probably familiar to many of you. Genesis 2 and verse 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. And there are some who would say, well, what kind of God do you have that he needs a nap after he does something? That is not what rest means here. Watch this. This is from the SDA Bible commentary on that verse. It says, he rested, the verb rested, Shabbat, 
means literally to cease. God ceased from his work, from labor and activity. You can see that in Genesis 8.22, Job 32.1. As a human artificer completes his work when he has brought it to, up to his ideal and thus ceases to work upon it, so an infinitely higher, uh, so in an infinitely higher sense, God completed the creation of the world by ceasing to produce anything new and then rested. God did not rest because he needed it. Isaiah 40 and verse 28 tells you that God does not get tired or weary. Therefore, God's rest was the result of neither exhaustion nor fatigue, but a cessation from previous occupation. In other words, God did what a good lawyer does at the end of, of, of presenting uh, of their side of a case. Uh, you know how the lawyer says, I rest my case. He's not saying he's going to sleep. That means he's presented all the evidence. When God finished creation, all the universe had to look and see that God is not just a good God. He's a creative God. He is a worthy God. God said, okay, I'm done. The last thing God created was woman. That is the crowning act of his creation. After that, God said, I'm finished. He rested. So, a few things to notice about the Sabbath. Here it is. Only one day in all of the scripture is sanctified. There is no other, and we'll go through this multiple times, there is no other day of the week upon which God proclaims that the day itself is sanctified or hallowed. Only the seventh day of the week. Number two, what we just read means that this the seventh day Sabbath existed before there was ever a Jew or even the Ten Commandments were given. Don't miss this. Because the argument a lot of people tell you is that the Sabbath is a Jewish day. But Adam and Eve weren't Jewish. They weren't anything. They were garden dwellers. Animal, you know, lovers. I don't know what you want to call them. But that is important because that means that this third principle about the Sabbath is also true. The Sabbath existed before sin. Here's why that's so relevant. That means the Sabbath cannot foreshadow anything that deals with sin. In other words, when you look at the festivals and the feast days and the temple, all of the stuff we went through in the sanctuary, all those things were a foreshadowing uh, primarily to the cross and to the redemptive work of God. The Sabbath cannot be something that foreshadows anything that has to do with sin because had Adam and Eve never sinned, the Sabbath would still exist. As would marriage because those two things were instituted in the garden before sin. So that's an important point. The Sabbath exists before sin does because many of the arguments against the Sabbath fall apart when you remember this truth. Now, Exodus 16, 21, the proof that it existed before the Ten Commandments. I'll read through this quickly. Exodus 16, 21, and they gathered it every morning. This is speaking of the manna, the angel's food that God gave the children of Israel. Every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it did what? It melted. So that meant you had to pick up the manna. as soon When it fell, you had to go get it. If you didn't go get the manna, the sun got hot out in the wilderness, the manna would melt. That tells you it was of high nutritional value. That's another talk. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for one man. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. On the sixth day, on the preparation day, they took twice as much manna. All right. When they went to Moses, hey, these guys over here taking two times what they're supposed to take. They greedy. And he said unto them, this is that which the Lord had said. Look at this. This is before the Ten Commandments are given in Exodus 20. He says, this is what the Lord has said, tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today and seethe what you will seethe and, and that which remains over lay up for you to be kept until the morning. In other words, tomorrow is the day of rest. Don't cook tomorrow. Don't shop tomorrow. Don't go manna hunting tomorrow. Do that today. And although normally it would melt, it will stay for the Sabbath. I want, I want you to get this. There is, and we'll get to it more deep later, 
There is a tangible blessing when you keep the Sabbath. There is a tangible, palpable blessing that you get when you keep God's seventh-day Sabbath holy. There's protection in the spiritual realm against uh, the, the enemy and those who would want to do spiritual warfare against you when you keep God's Sabbath. Verse 24, and they laid it up till the morning as Moses bade, and it did not stink, neither was there any worm therein. On the one day it didn't spoil. And Moses said, eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today he shall not find it in the field. Six days should you gather it. But on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. So that makes it clear, right? Before the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath existed. They were supposed to prepare on the sixth day, just like we are supposed to, because on the seventh day, that wasn't going to be there. There was a special blessing on the Sabbath that it would actually uh, be preserved supernaturally. Let me tell you something. If you do what you're supposed to do during the week, God will supernaturally preserve your efforts through the Sabbath. Verse 27, and it came to pass that there were, went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather and they found it. I think some of you people just hard-headed. All that instruction. And still they go looking for manna. Can't find her hungry. Can't find manna anywhere. Look at what Moses says. Verse 28, and the Lord said unto Moses, how long refuse ye to keep my commandments and my what? And my laws. Did the Sabbath commandment exist before the Ten Commandments were given? Absolutely. Which is why when we go to Exodus chapter 20, the first word of the fourth commandment is the word what? You can't remember something that didn't exist. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. The seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Not you, not your son, not your daughter, not your manservant or your maidservant, your cattle or the stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord did what? He blessed the Sabbath day and he did what to it? He hallowed it, meaning that he made it Holy. No other day gets this description. It existed before sin, and it even to this day, it exists as a memorial to God's creative power. We'll talk more about that in a second. Remember it. Now, God said, remember. The only commandment that starts to remember, maybe because he knew so many would forget it. So where did we get these commandments from? Well, Exodus 31 tells you where the Ten Commandments came from. Talked about this last time. Verse 18, and he gave unto Moses uh, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai. Look at this. He gave him two ta tables of testimony, tables of stone. Who wrote on the tables of stone? God did. God wrote the Ten Commandments with his own finger. We talked about this before, but that speaks to the permanency of the Ten Commandments. You can't nail stone to a cross. There were other laws we talked about last time, the law of Moses that was put in the side of the Ark of the Covenant in the most holy part of the sanctuary. But the Ten Commandments were put inside the Ark of the Covenant and it is permanent. Stone is permanent. So let's look at some modern things. What's really going on? Well, there are scientists that are saying, and this is from Discover and from the Atlantic journals, two different journals, one of them asked the questions, why are there seven days in a week? Right? And you can see it all there. We can thank the Babylonians, they say, for our seven-day week. Well, that's a lie. The Babylonians didn't have a seven-day week. Not before the Hebrews. We just proved that. Moses exists a long time before Nebuchadnezzar. And Adam, of course, lives exists a whole lot longer than that. Nebuchadnezzar, let's not forget, was converted to the true religion and probably adapted the calendar from the Jews. In fact, I would almost guarantee it when you realize Nebuchadnezzar made multiple proclamations that only God could be worshipped. And because of that, he would have adapted the day of worship as well. So they want to give the credit to the Babylonians. I don't think they get it. But the other one says, we live by a unit of time that doesn't make sense. This guy writes a whole article on how foolish it is that we have a seven-day week. 
So how did we get a seven-day week? Let's look at the children's story fits right into this perfectly today. So thank you very much. Oh, um, so let's look at this. The calendar and the Sabbath. A year is 365 days because that's how long it takes for the earth to go around the what? Around the sun. A month is 30 days because that is the cycle of the moon, right? That's where you get month, month, a month. A day is 24 hours because that's how long it takes for the earth to spin one time around on its axis. Then how do you get a seven-day week? There's no other reason for a seven-day week except that God said it should be so. People are trying to say, well, you can divide up the 30 days, and the, but 30 divided by four don't get you seven. At least not the last time I took math. Maybe nowadays it does. I don't know. They're messing around with some stuff. But as long as I know, the seven-day work week or the seven-day week was given to man by God. And it to this day, the fact that you have a seven-day work week, a week on your calendar, is a statement that God set things up in the beginning. Because some of us would rather a four-day week, so that if you have a weekend every four days, some of y'all wouldn't want to mind a two-day week, and every other day be a weekend day. I know. So let's look at what the Sabbath means. Well, what is the relevance of the Sabbath? Number one, it is a memorial of creation. We'll go through these quick, right? And here you see all of the different things. You see the pictures of the dinosaurs back there. We talked about dinosaurs in Sabbath school. Um, not so sure they were giant dinosaurs like this at creation. But So Exodus 28 and 11, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. We just read that. Here's the thing. When I went to the Creation Research Institute in San Diego, California, I took the young people from our church down there, and they were going through the whole thing. They went through the whole six days. Um, and when they got to the seventh day, they had all this fancy science showing that creation is real. They got to the seventh day, and the wall was empty. And I was trying to be quiet because it wasn't my museum, not my place to talk. But I couldn't help it. Like Elijah, like fire, shut up in my bones. I had to say something. I said, Mr. Mr. Museum tour guide, sir. I said, do you realize that had man continued to keep the seven-day Sabbath, you wouldn't need this museum. You wouldn't have to try and convince the world that God created it. The purpose of the Sabbath was to be a weekly reminder that God created the world. See what happened? We forgot the Sabbath, and then we forgot God. Number two, the relevance of the Sabbath is a sign of redemption and sanctification. Ezekiel 20, 12, I also gave them my Sabbath to be a sign between them and me, that they might know that I am the Lord who does what? Sanctifies them. So the Sabbath also is a statement that God will redeem us. How does that make that connection? Why did God say, Moses say to Pharaoh, listen, we let our people go that we may go into the wilderness and worship our God? Because in Egypt, you couldn't keep the Sabbath very easily. The Egyptians were quite mean and you had to work every single day. So let us go where we may worship God, where we may keep our Sabbath. God redeemed them for the purpose of the Sabbath. All right. A source of great blessing, Isaiah 58 and verse 13 if thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then shalt thou delight, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. Look at this. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. It gives you spiritual protection. I tell you, I grew up to a, in a single mother household in Bloomfield, Connecticut. I'm sure there were many who thought that myself and my brothers would never mount to a whole lot of much. But I have to tell you that there was a blessing in keeping the Sabbath. I would never have thought that one day I would serve two U.S. presidents as an advisor. But never thought that I'd have sat on um, committees at the Centers for Disease Control or presented before Chinese dignitaries 
on why many of the ways of Western culture they need to be careful of when it comes to their young people and their education system. Never thought I would be able to do those things. But I must say that when you serve the God of heaven, he will cause you to ride upon the high places of the earth. Because Ephesians 5 and 14 tells you to gird up your loins with the truth when it speaks of the, um, the, the armor, the spiritual armor that we are to bear. There's a spiritual protection. In Roger Murnau's book, A Trip into the Supernatural, I, I quote it all the time. Remember, he said the demon priest says that there are two great lies when he was coming out of demon worship. He, re he recognizes that the demon priest said there are two great lies that Satan loves. The first lie is that when you die, you don't really die. You go to, straight to heaven or hell. He says Satan loves that. We talked about that before. He said the second one is that so much of the world keeps the first day of the week as a day of worship. He says Satan loves it. And one person in that was in attendance when the demon priest was given his presentation that day in this mansion in Montreal, Canada, this was back in the 1940s or 50s. In that mansion, somebody raises their hand in the back of the group and says, uh, priest, what about the Adventists? And the priest laughs. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about them. There's so few of them. He says that the Adventists cannot be deceived because they keep the seventh day Sabbath. Gird up your loins with the truth. The seventh day Sabbath is a truth that will protect you from deception in other areas. So let's look at Jesus. What day did Jesus worship on? Luke 4, 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read, for to read. So Jesus worshipped on the Sabbath day. There's no question about that. What about the early church, the apostles specifically? Acts 17.2, then Paul, as his custom was, went into them and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. Acts 13, 13 and 14. Paul and his party went into the synagogue, synagogue on the Sabbath day and did what? And sat down. Notice, they don't say, okay, we're going to start worshiping on the first day. Can we rent out the synagogue? They go on the Sabbath. If the Sabbath had been done away with, the apostles would not have continued to worship on it. Acts 16, 13, on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Acts 18.4, Paul reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. So the Jews and the Greeks both began to keep the Sabbath. So here's what um, uh, Dr. T.H. Moore uh, uh, from, the, um, from the book, A Church of England Divine, this is what he says about the early Christians. The primitive Christians had a great veneration for the Sabbath and spent the day in devotion and sermons. And it is not to be doubted, but they derived this practice from the apostles themselves, as appears by several scriptures to the purpose. Um, I can't say his name, but Geistik des Sontags, he says in his book, the Sabbath was a strong tie which united them with the life of the whole people. And in keeping the Sabbath holy, they followed not only the example, but also the command of Jesus, speaking of the early church. Uh, Geisler's, uh, Geisler's church history, he says, the Gentile Christians observed also the Sabbath. The Sabbath was kept after Christ had resurrected and ascended. Um, it is certain that the ancient Sabbath did remain and was observed together with the celebration of the Lord's Day. Here's where we start to see something happen. The devil didn't immediately just do away with the Sabbath. What did he do? He added another day. And so then they began to worship on the seventh day and they started to celebrate on the first day. That's what he's talking about here. He says, by the Christians of the East Church, about above 300 years after our Savior's death. So 300 years after Jesus dies, they were still keeping the Sabbath. But another day was introduced. Primitive Christians did keep the Sabbath of the Jews. Therefore, the Christians for a long time together did keep their conventions upon the Sabbath in which some portions of the law were read. And this continued till the time of the what? The Laodicean Council. And this is from uh, our Hebrews edition of the whole works of Jeremy Taylor. And I'm going to show you that they, it was purposefully changed. But it did not change all at once. So some people say, well, the Pope didn't change it and the, this didn't do it. But it's because the change wasn't immediate. It wasn't like one day they got up and said, no more Sabbath here Sunday. And let me say this. That's what's going to happen in the last days. 
Spoiler alert. Over time, what is going to happen when it comes to Sunday laws is that there will be a slow erosion of religious freedoms and a, and a veneration again of keeping Sabbath sacred, uh, Sunday sacred. And if over time, just as it happened then, these laws will be passed just as laws were passed then. So the Sabbath in many languages. I happen to just choose Spanish, no particular reason. Um, and you can see Domingo, Lunes, Martes, Miércoles, I want to say jueves. I hope I said that right. I might say eggs in, in by accident in Spanish. Viernes. And then look at the last one. Sabado. Powerful. The word for Saturday in Spanish is Sabbath. Now, in English, we got Saturday. But most languages, and I know you can't read this, so let me just show you. Of course, Hebrew it is. But even in Arabic, let me find Arabic on here. In Arabic here, the word is as Sabbath. The Sabbath. The day before is actually called, the Friday, instead of being called a preparation day in Arabic, is actually called the day of assembly. It was the day of the market. Isn't that deep? It was the preparation day in Arabic. And then on, on Sabbath, they called it the Sabbath. To this day, even in Muslim countries, the seventh day of the week is still called the Sabbath. But not just there. It's the same in, in French, Spanish, Portuguese. Um, German, Russian, Polish, all of these different languages, when you look at the day for the seventh day, it is Sabbath. Even in Africa, I was in multiple parts of Africa where they told me that the day for the seventh day of the week is a day, is, in the African language is called rest. So what are they going to do? Well, they already begun to try and twist the week. Here, this is the days of the week in French. I won't even try and do French. Except to tell you that notice what they do. They have moved the, the first day of the week has become what day of the week? Monday, Lundi. And the last day of the week is Dimanche. I know I'm saying that wrong. It's Sunday. Isn't that fascinating? But look at the look at the sixth day of the week becomes. Saturday. Even though the word for Samadhi here from Old French Samadhi, from vulgar Latin, Sambati Dies, from Latin, Sabati Dies, Dies Sabati, Day of the Sabbath. Y'all missing this thing. That means that somebody is knowingly trying to rearrange the days of the week to bury the truth that the seventh day is the Sabbath. That's why I don't buy calendars that the first day of the week isn't Sunday. Because it's a deception in the works. First day of the week is Sunday. You're supposed to work for six days. If you make the first day of the week Monday, that means you're supposed to work on Saturday, the Sabbath. And remember, the Sabbath is not Saturday. It is Friday sunset to Saturday sunset, a 24-hour block, just as God said in the beginning, the evening and the morning were the what? The first day, the second day, the third day. All right. Well, how did this change? And again, I've told you guys before, I have relatives. One of my relatives is an archbishop for the island of Jamaica, um, uh, Edgerton Clark. Um, my, my, my grandfather, Beresford's relative. Um, so I'm not, I'm not talking about Catholics. I am talking about doctrine and systems. So the National Catholic Register, did the Catholic Church change the Sabbath? Here it is. How did the Sabbath actually change the Sunday? Number one, when the destruction of the Jewish temple came animosity against the Jews. So remember what happened AD 70? The general Titus came and destroyed um, Jerusalem, in fact, tore the temple down. After that, there was such a hatred of Jews in the Roman Empire that nobody wanted to be Jewish. You get what I'm saying? So people wanted to do anything to distance themselves from seeming like they were Jewish because now the Jewish were branded as rebels that should be uh, annihilated. And the blood of the Jews ran deep in Jerusalem under Titus's armies. So Sunday was still being kept by Christians in certain places and was used as an alternative to the seven-day Sabbath, in part to avoid persecution for appearing Jewish. Did you get this? So what did Christians do? The Christians began quickly to say, all right, we'll, we'll worship on the first day of the week so we don't look Jewish. Well, wait till the last days. The time of trouble comes. And you are not allowed to buy and sell on the seventh day. People all of a sudden are going to be like, you know, it's really the day doesn't really matter. People already leave our church because they say the music at other churches are better. 
You think they're not going to leave when the trials come? Constantine became a Christian, but did not fully give up sun worship. In fact, Constantine tried to marry paganism and Christianity. And in order to keep his empire together, because he was fighting against these two forces, Christianity spread like wildfire as they martyred the Christians. The blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. And so the church grew. And so now he had these two sides. His mother had become a Christian and he has some vision that he says he has. And so he holds on to sun worship. He holds on to Christianity and says, I can make this work. I will turn the pagan days into Christian days. That's why Christmas is on December 25th. There's no other reason for it to be, but it goes back to this. It is also why the solemnity, the church tried to move it from the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week. That way, Constantine can appease the pagans by having Sunday. You know what he started to do? Saturday became a day of fasting. And Sunday became a day of feasting. Which day would you like better? Saturday is nothing to eat. Sunday, they got all kinds of snacks and goodies laying out everywhere. And people roasting animals and cooking rice and peas and stuff. I don't know if they ate rice and peas in Rome, but, but you know what I mean. So how did the Sabbath change to Sunday? In the year 325, at the time of Constantine, the Roman um, bishop, Sylvester, officially changed the, changed the title of the first day, calling it the Lord's Day. So you see what they did? Then he changed the name of the first day of the week. And by changing the name, he tried to change its significance. As the papal church grew in power, it opposed Sabbath observance in favor of Sunday sacredness and outlawed the resting on the Sabbath at the Council of Laodicea in AD 363 and 364. You getting this? So there came a point where they basically said, we're going to outlaw the resting. Notice it didn't happen all at once. Constantine uh, first comes up with a law saying that you can't do work on a certain on, on Sunday. And it, it's about 40 years later that the, the council says you must rest on Sunday. Look at canon, um, this is canon uh, 29. Christians must not Judaize by resting on the Sabbath, but must work on that day, rather honoring the Lord, the Lord's day. And if they can, and if they can, resting then as Christians. But if any shall be found to be Judaizers, let them be anathema from Christ. Are y'all getting this? So what did they ultimately do? They ultimately came up with a plan and said, listen, now we're passing laws to make the first day of the week the only day you can worship. And if you are found to be Judaizing, keeping the Sabbath, you could be kicked out of the church altogether. So what they say, well, now, so what they said is, listen, Jesus rose on the first day of the week. So we have a right to change the day of worship from the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week. That's literally their argument. Here it is. This is from the um, Catholic Catechism. Reverend Peter uh, Gehrman, 1946. Which day is the Sabbath day? He answers, Saturday is the Sabbath. Question, why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church in the Council of Laodicea, 8336, transferred the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. Why did the Catholic Church substitute Sunday for Saturday? The Catholic Church substituted Sunday for Saturday because Christ rose from the dead on a Sunday. And the Holy Ghost descended upon the apostles on a Sunday. Now, the Bible does not tell you to do this, right? There's nowhere in the Bible that says now because Jesus came up on a Sunday, you keep that day holy. It's not in the Bible. Question, by what authority did the church substitute Sunday for Saturday? Answer, the church substituted Sunday for Saturday by the plentitude of that divine power which Jesus Christ bestowed upon her. Not by the authenticity or the, say, by the authority of the scripture, but because they said we just simply have the power to do it. Look at this one. Have you any other way of proving that the church has power to institute festivals of precept? Had she not such power, she could not have done that in which all modern religionists agree with her. She could not have substituted the observance of Sunday, the first day of the week, for the observance of Saturday, the seventh day, a change for which there is no scriptural authority. They said that, not us. Now, so there's a new Sabbath. This is the Catholic uh, news agency. And the same same argument. I won't stay. I'll, I'll read one or two of these. But if the Sabbath was Saturday, why do we emphasize Sunday? The move from Saturday to Sunday, from Sabbath to the Lord's Day, is intimately connected to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. As John Paul, Pope John Paul II notes in his in his writing Dies Domini, 
as an, it's an encyclical writing, there emerged a unique connection between the resurrection and creation. I want you to see the sophistry of the deception in what I'm about to read. There emerged a unique connection between the resurrection and creation. This link invited an understanding of the resurrection as the beginning of a new creation, the first fruits of which the glory, uh, is the glorious Christ. Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week. The day when light was created, Jesus speaks of himself as the light of the world. So you see what they did? They say, listen, we moved into the first day of the week because he rose on that day, and that's the day light was created. But what does that have to do with all the sand in the desert? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that you keep a day because light was created on it. In fact, the point of the Sabbath is to rest. But you got to remember who is the being of light? Lucifer. Is it a coincidence that to justify the first day of the day, week as the day of worship, that they use light as its justification and the worship of the sun is tied to it and ultimately is tied uh, inexplicably to paganism? All right, I'll skip these. Um, the catechism, by a tradition handed down from the apostles which took its origin from the very day of Christ's resurrection, the church celebrates the Paschal mystery every seventh day, which is the appropriately called the Lord's Day or Sunday. The day of Christ's resurrection is both the first, look at this, this one is the one that gets me. The day of the, the day of Christ's resurrection is both the first day of the week, the memorial of the first day of creation, which there is no memorial in the scripture to the first day of creation, and the eighth day. There's an eighth day of the week? I missed that in elementary school. Somewhere they skipped that lesson. There's an eighth day of the week? I thought it was only seven. And the eighth day on which Christ, after his rest, on the great Sabbath, inaugurate the day that the Lord has made, the day that knows no evening. Isn't that profound? So in order to make this lie stick, they made the week a day longer. That's why they put the calendar the way they do. So that Sunday's at the end of the calendar, in the week. But look at this one. This one is deep. You guys won't be able to read it. I'll read it for you. Dear sir, regarding the change from the observance of the Jewish Sabbath to the Christian Sunday, I wish to draw your attention to the facts. One, that Protestants accept the Bible is the only rule of faith and religion. So by all means, this is the Catholic Church speaking, and this is from the Catholic Extension magazine. He says, Protestants um, accept the Bible as the only rule of faith um, and religion. So by all means, go back to the observance of the Sabbath. The fact that they do not put on the, um, the contrary observe the Sunday, stultifies them in the eyes of every thinking man. In other words, they say, if you really believe the Bible is the law, is what you should go by, why would any Christian go to keep Sunday as a day of worship? The second one, he says, Catholics do not accept the Bible is the only rule of faith. Here is where it happens. Besides the Bible of the living church, the authority of the church as a rule to guide us, we say, uh, this church instituted by Christ to teach and guide men. So they say, listen, we could change it because we don't believe the Bible only. We accept that it can be changed. Um, and then uh, it says, um, it speaks of all the other laws that they created. And then the, number, the third one is interesting. We also say that all Protestants, we also say of all Protestants, the Seventh-day Adventists are the only group that reasons correctly and are consistent with their teachings. It is always someone laughable, always somewhat laughable to see Protestant churches um, um, work in the legislature demanding the observance of Sunday which there is nothing biblical basically to support is what he says here. this is from the Catholic Extension magazine just to show you the power of that so who changed the Sabbath here's what the Catholic Church said your Bible says but in vain useless do they worship me teaching for doctrines the commandments of men further to the law and to the testimony if they speak not according to this word, the Bible, it is because there's no light in them. Then this is what um, this um, uh, the president uh, um, of, of this college, Thomas Enright, this is what he says. Prove to me from the Bible alone that I am bound to keep Sunday holy. This is a Catholic, president of a Catholic institution. There's no such law in the Bible. It is a law of the Catholic Church alone. The Catholic Church says, by my divine power, I abolish the Sabbath day and command you to keep the first day of the week, and lo, the entire civilized world bows down in reverent obedience to the command of the Holy Catholic Church. Hmm. All right, Daniel said it like this, and he shall, Daniel 7, 25, 
speaking of this same power, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change what? Times and laws. And if I'd have read all of that in detail, that's literally what they say. We can change the times and the laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time of time and the dividing of time. Did the whole world really submit? It did not. In fact, there were places where the truth hid. This is from the book, The Great Controversy. In all lands beyond the jurisdiction of Rome, there existed for many centuries bodies of Christians who remained almost wholly free from papal corruption. They were surrounded by heathenism and in the lapse of ages were affected by its errors. But they continued to regard the Bible as the only rule of faith and adhered to many of its truths. These Christians believed in the perpetuity of the law of God and observed the Sabbath of the fourth commandment. Who were these Christians? Churches that held to this faith and practice existed in Central Africa and among the Armenians of Asia. So there were some who were outside of the, the papal edict. And this is a picture of one of the churches in, in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, of the Ethiopian Orthodox Church, which to this day continues to keep the seven-day Sabbath. The Sabbath is permanent. Malachi 3.6, for I am the Lord, I do what? I change not. Luke 16.17, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. In other words, before the Sabbath would go out of existence, the very laws that govern this world would come apart. So did the Sabbath change after Jesus? Because what they say is, listen, he rose and did away with the Sabbath. We don't have to keep the Sabbath anymore. Luke 23, 53. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen. Um, right? In verse 54. And that day was the preparation, the day before the Sabbath, and the Sabbath drew on. Who saw the last ones um, created were women. The first ones to see him resurrected were women. It tells you how special women are to God. Verse 55, and the woman, women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after and behold the sepulcher and how his body was laid. Luke 23, 56, and they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the what? The commandment. If, the, if Jesus had done away with the Sabbath, would they have rested the Sabbath? No. Luke 24, 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. So it tells you which day is the Sabbath. It's the seventh day. Never changed. And we know it didn't change because even when Jesus gives his prophecies, this is a picture of the destruction of Jerusalem by Titus's armies um, and them carrying away all of the, the Roman soldiers, carrying away all of the, uh, the, the prized possessions from out of the, out of the temple. Matthew 24, 20 says, but pray that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. If Jesus was doing away with the Sabbath, why would he warn them that to hope not to flee on the Sabbath? How long after Jesus' death is, the, is this invasion that you see pictures of here? 40 years. If the Sabbath was done away with, there would be no reason to give this warning. Isaiah 66, 22 and 23. This is my, one of my favorite verses on the Sabbath. Because it speaks to the fact that the Sabbath, just as it existed before sin, the Sabbath will exist after sin. For as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make, I, I make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. The Sabbath is going to be kept in heaven you might as well get used to it now. But doesn't the law, but wasn't the law done away with? And isn't a day just a matter of personal preference? Some would ask. Well, they say, we talked about this the last time, these same verses, Colossians 2 4, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Remember, these are the laws that Moses wrote in his handwriting because God wrote the Ten Commandments. So this can't be referring to the Ten Commandments. It was on the side of the ark. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat and drink and, and holidays or in or the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. They are a shadow of things to come. Why? Because Paul is saying all of the feast days, all of the stuff that they did was all foreshadowing what would come in the life of Christ and be prophetically fulfilled. The Sabbath, as I pointed out earlier, existed before sin did, so it can't foreshadow anything. Which means the Sabbath still remains and exists. Romans 14, 1, him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but 
but but no uh but not to doubtful disputations. It says here, one man esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth unto the Lord, and he that regardeth it not, he do um, doth not regard it. But this is not speaking of the seven day Sabbath. The whole chapter is on judging one another over doubtful things. The issue here is not over the seven day Sabbath, which is part of the moral law, but over other religious days, the feast days. This is what this is talking about. The seventh day Sabbath never goes away. So some would say, should we keep the Sabbath for the Sunday uh, uh, for resurrection since Jesus rose on the first day of the week? Maybe we should keep the first day of the week. Well, Romans 3, 6, 3 through 6 tells you what we are supposed to do in order to honor, remember, and re-experience the power of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Here it is. Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? What is it that actually um, mirrors the death of Christ? Baptism. It's not a day of the week. It's when you're baptized. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That Jesus, ju that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For we have been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be what? Slaves to sin. The Sunday and keeping Sunday for the resurrection is not biblical. We remember the resurrection most powerfully when we are when we are converted, when the old man dies and Christ comes to live in us in, in, in essence through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's some there are texts where they say, well, they, the, the apostles met on Sunday, this one the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled, the fear of the for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst. So they say, listen, this is a Sunday church service of the apostles, so we should keep the first day of the week. But were they having church? Read carefully. You know what it says? He said they were assembled because they were afraid of the Jews. They were hiding under the table. They weren't having worship. They were scared. They didn't believe he had resurrected. The proof of that is here in Mark. Um, they didn't believe. Look, it says, um, and she went and told them that what that had been done with him as they mourned and wept and they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. They weren't meeting because they the resurrection. They were meeting because they didn't believe he was resurrected on the first day of the week. That means you can't keep, I wouldn't keep the first day of the week in honor of the resurrection. Um, and so all of, I mean, there's more on these. I, this is another one people say, well, Paul told them to gather things on the first day of the week, but Paul was telling them so that he doesn't have to assemble them to collect the stuff. They should already have it set up to do it on the first day of the week. It wasn't a church service where you were passing around stuff. That's what people say. That wasn't what happened there in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2. I won't, I won't get too deep into that, but this is where the fact of unbelief really hurts. Here's what the Psalm says. Psalms 43, 3. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. When we accept the truth, it's like light. It brings us into tabernacle with God. When we reject his truth, and let me let me be clear as to why this is so important. Because this, the Sabbath isn't just something we keep. The Sabbath is an integration into a relationship with God. And let me tell you something. In our own lives, when we're having trials and difficulties, you know what blocks our prayers from reaching God? Sin. So if we don't take the Sabbath seriously, as one of the commandments that needs to be kept. If we're not asking God, what is it, Lord, that you require of me? And humbly saying, Lord, help me to grow, to live the way you want me to live. We will stay in trial and difficulty. There's power in the Sabbath. That's why it says it is, it is a sign of God's redemption and sanctification. He's trying to lead us into truth so that we'll be in the best possible relationship with him. You cannot have a relationship without time. Amen? You see, they have like crazy TV shows, married at first sight and all this kind of foolishness. Marry somebody at first sight and see what happens to you. While the camera's rolling. It takes time. 
Sabbath ought not be a burden. It's your time to get to know God. The reason so many of us find the Sabbath a burden is because what we're doing during the week is uh, we have made what we do during the week more important than God. Netflix is more important than God. Sports is more important than God. Work is more important than God. Entertainment and, 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 and all the things of the world have become more important than God. So the Sabbath is a burden because you would rather be in the world than in the church. The Sabbath becomes a delight when you have time. You say, you know what? I, I, I'm shutting it all out. And now I'm going to spend time in God's word. I'm going to spend time singing the Psalms and the hymns. I'm going to fellowship with God and get to know him. And I am going to tell the devil to leave me alone because this is my Sabbath. Let me tell you something. If you are not keeping the Sabbath the way God prescribes and you're having trials in your life, let me tell you, there is victory if you simply humble yourself and say, Lord, help me to keep your Sabbath. Spiritual power will come to you. The angels will come. When you, when, when you know to keep the Sabbath and you don't keep the Sabbath, it's difficult for the angels to come and intercede on your behalf. Here's the bottom line. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. James 4, 17. Therefore, to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is what? Sin. Mark's 2.27, and he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for you. If you don't use it, you're telling God, I don't want what you made for me. James 2.10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is what? Is guilty of all. I'll just put this slide together. What do you do on the Sabbath? You can rest. The fellowship is real important on the Sabbath. Spending time with God in nature. Now that it's getting warm, a good time to get outside and hike and see nature and spend time with God. We had Dr. Schultz on our program last night. He was talking about when you walk through the woods, how the aromas from the trees are released. And in the presence of the sun, it's the thing called forest bathing. And when you forest bathe like that, you breathe in these aromas that actually relax your blood vessels, lower stress, and there's all these positive things. Naturally, you don't got to buy it or nothing. There's plenty of forest in Connecticut. Just watch the bears. And then they're nice bears in Connecticut. Though. Um, but as you walk, all of these things happen. And the sun, when it bounces, the benefits of the sun go beyond vitamin D. When it bounces off of the leaves of the tree, there is a type of radiation that penetrates deep inside of you that literally lowers stress and, and has a healing power. Here's what's the kicker. What they have found is that, that the cycle of how long all of those benefits last in your system they did like a thousand blood tests on these people when they had them do uh, forest bathing. It lasts seven days. If you just went hiking on Sabbath, you spent 30 minutes, 45 minutes in the sun, early morning, evening, in the sun, in the forest, breathing in these aromas, literally you could reverse some diseases. Some of you who have been through traumatic experiences, they're showing that these things literally can help you to, to, to bring your down your stress levels, improve your sleep. And I've been reading this great book on sleep. I'll have to present on it one of these days. But when you sleep well, it literally in your in NREM sleep, in the non-rapid uh, eye movement sleep, it decouples your emotional feeling from the trauma you experienced. They're finding that because it is noradrenaline in the brain that actually causes the spikes of, of stress that is PTSD and stuff. But when you sleep well, it decouples it from you so that you have the memory of the trauma without the emotion of it. What are we not doing what God said? Why do we choose to live in misery rather than obey the word of the living God? Keep the Sabbath, spend time, even when it snows. Get outside. I mean, make sure they shovel and stuff, but get outside. Do service for others on the Sabbath. Eat healthy foods. The Sabbath should not be a day when you fast and starve yourself. The, the, the one day of the week you should have the best food is on the Sabbath. Of course, this is the day to study God's word and to pray. Matthew 12 and verse 8. For the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, his day is the seventh day of the week. They say in Revelation chapter one, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And when I was reading all of that literature from the different churches, they were saying, well, that was Sunday. There is nowhere in the Bible 
that a day is connected to the Lord except the seventh day. So what day was John in the spirit in the book of Revelation? On the Sabbath. And in these last days, the prophecies that John gives us in the book of Revelation are coming true now. Let me tell you something, church. You need to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. We all need to be in the spirit on the Lord's day. Jesus is returning soon. And this is going to be the great and final test. If you can't keep God's Sabbath now in times of peace, do you really think you're going to keep it when the war comes? Let us make up our minds to be faithful to what God has given us. Because he doesn't just give us a requirement. Every requirement comes with benefit and blessing that we can't even measure. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your Sabbath. We thank you for the truth of your scripture and of your word. Thank you, Father God, that even if we are in difficult times and trials, you have made a way for us to get through them. Lord, we know that there are some here, Lord, who may struggle with the Sabbath for whatever reason. Maybe the weeks are just so stressful. Help them, Lord, to have the kind of rest that decouples from their mind. The memory of trauma from the emotion of trauma. Help them, Lord, to get the kind of rest that is only found in Jesus Christ. But Lord Jesus, you are not our rest. You gave us the Sabbath so that we could fellowship with you, so that we could spend time with you, so that we could get to know you. As Hebrews chapter 4 says, Lord, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. Help us to be obedient to this charge. Our prayer in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.